To the two guys one plant podcast your weekly podcast where we deep dive into different vegetables and plants each week we talk about the history we talk about nutrition and medicinal uses we also talk about planting it and growing it and also cooking it uh as always the lovely timothy aikerman is joining me it is an absolute pleasure to be here simon isn't Thank it you. just hey yeah, I really, you know, I look forward each week to the intros because, you know, flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> With you, it will. <laughs> uh, yes, well, yeah, another another week's gone down. I, and I must say, I have eaten an enormous amount of cauliflower this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had, uh, I've had more cauliflower than normal too. Yeah, you know. uh, it, but really, really good though. Yeah, it's kind of the, the way at the moment where we'll do a we'll do an episode and then um, you and I both kind of go out of our way to uh, either buy it or cook it or or do something after we've after we've recorded an episode. Yeah, absolutely. But I think uh, it just it plays into the fact that we are as excited about these vegetables after we've done all the research as I believe everybody who listens to the episodes are. Yeah, that's right. And if people mm. saw our messages to each other, we're sending photos and you know all sorts of <laughs> random stuff about this is what I've done this week. <laughs> yes, <Yep. laughs> that's a good thing. It um, is. It is. Yeah. We actually had some. I, I, well, this is kind of a, a a feedback section right now. We had some notes during the week, which um, which we're going to share because. We've actually got people talking to us at the moment, which is fantastic. Yeah, loving the uh, interaction on the Instagram account. It's really good. Yeah, yeah it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, it was really funny. We had one of our, uh, I guess you'd say, followers uh, send us a, a DM on Instagram. Was it Mary Pretty Lou? Anyway, it was. They said the broccoli episode really reminded them of this uh, Saturday Night Live um, sketch from. Yeah, it would have been, been a fair while ago now by Dana Carvey. Yeah. Uh, it was a hilarious song that ends with him just singing chopping broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> I love that clip. It was so funny. It was so funny. <laughs> I think that might have been his um, like audition tape. He was pretty young because yeah. it took me a while to realize he was the same guy out of Wayne's world. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. I just didn't recognize him at first and I, the name kind of didn't jump out at me. But uh, yeah, once I realized Hilarious. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if, for anyone who's who wants to have a laugh, definitely search for SNL Chop and Broccoli. And yep. uh, it's it's hilarious. Because I'm chopping broccoli. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do the sound. <laughs> That's <was> fantastic. <laughs> uh, watch out for Tim's uh, audition for Saturday Night Live. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's going to be chopping cauliflower. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we also had, I, I actually. Um, had a message and I haven't told you about this yet, but um, an old colleague of mine, uh, his name is Siva. He wrote me a message uh, just yesterday, uh, just saying that he was loving the podcast. And he said the podcast was a breath of fresh air. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Which is really nice. I mean, this is someone I worked with um, at the Commonwealth bank, which is mm -hmm. years and years and years ago, almost a decade ago. Um, so yeah, but it was, uh, really good to get that feedback. I, I just, you know, 
it just makes us want to do this more, I think. Yeah, it's, it's nice. So we've had a few random comments on the Instagram account of people, you know, loving the information or, you know, just, just little bits of positive feedback have been mm. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's good. good. It's mm. really good. Um, we also randomly this week and, and for those who read the title of this episode, we are looking at sunflower seeds today, which is really cool. Mm. Uh, but we, we had someone uh, over in the States in, in um, in Idaho, a place called Sunflower Mills, who randomly messaged us this week uh, just to say hi. Uh, and they do sunflower seed flour and, and pastry mix. And we didn't even, I didn't even see this before we had decided that we were doing sunflower seeds. That's so random. It's really weird, huh? But, um, but they have a whole heap of recipes and inspiration for cooking with sunflower seed flour which we will get into in the cooking wow. section. But I mean, if you're looking for some inspo after this episode for what to cook, um, definitely go and check them out. It's sunflower mills GF on Instagram. So nice and simple because I, I had no idea that you could make any flour? sunflower seeds oh, in flour. You just wait. There's going to be a whole bunch of stuff from this episode, which I had no idea. That well, you could do with well I was going to say maybe we should mate, let's let's uh, set the scene right because w- mm. what what was your knowledge of sunflower seeds going into this episode? Uh, the only thing that I've ever used sunflower seeds for is in salads or to sprinkle on the top of like a uh, like a noodle dish or something sometimes, but yep. essentially I've never really used them. Yep. Yeah. I, I grew up with my mum used to always have all kinds of nuts and seeds and she would always just say, they're good for you. They're good for you. But that, that was it. So mm. sort of, you know, you grow up knowing or thinking that they're good for you, but no idea why. Yeah. But really, I mean, we, we've used sunflower seeds for a few things. We have LSA, which is linseed sunflower and almond meal that we yep. put on breakfast and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, but really nothing. I did, didn't know anything about sunflower seeds. I didn't know. I'm doing the growing and I looked at how to get the seeds out of the flower. Mm. It's so cool. (laughs) I think I touch a little bit on that in the cooking, but uh, not too much. So yeah, I'll let you do that. Cool. Yeah. I I knew nothing, but you know, you, you and I have um, sort of teased each other with information coming into this episode. And I think, unfortunately or fortunately it's going to be another long one mm. i think there's a lot to cover yeah. there, there's a little bit to cover not yeah. not heaps but um there is a bit to cover yeah well i've got a fair bit on the nutrition side and on the growing side so well that's good yeah yeah well let's not uh oh wait before we go any further i also yeah. had one more thing from my mum this week who listened yeah. to the cauliflower episode um, firstly, she said, well done on the pronunciation. Saw <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> yep, which is fantastic. Um, but she also pointed out that, you know, we spoke about boiling vegetables into the garden and, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and pouring that nutrient rich water into the garden. So apparently you shouldn't really do that. Uh, okay. Why do you know? I don't know exactly why, but there are other ways to use that water in a more effective way. Yeah. Uh, so you can use it for soup. Mm-hmm. which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, people use it in oatmeal. 
you mentioned smoothies and it's also mentioned in this uh this article you can use it for tea oh yeah yep. yeah uh cooking rice or quinoa makes sense yeah yep. um so yeah there was a whole bunch of these suggestions from the spoon university website um which is pretty cool that was cool. sent through by my mom very good thanks mom yep did a good job yep. she's a better researcher than us <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. You know, we don't have time to research everything. So no, other, definitely yeah. not. No, um, but yeah. So that's, I think that's the whole beginning to the show. We've got our notes out of the way. We can start getting onto these weird facts about. Um, well, I've got weird facts about sunflowers, not specifically the seeds, but yeah, I went for the flower rather than the seed as well. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm yep. whacking my microphone. Bang the microphone. Yeah. Thanks, Because I'm awesome. Yep. Um, all right. Well, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I can start. Okay. Uh, and because I said facts about the sunflower, my first fact is actually about the sea. <laughs> um, cool the... story. <laughs> Needs more dragons. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, the seeds are actually technically the fruit. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, so rather than seed, they're, they're the fruit of the plant. Nice. Yeah. Mm. I like that. Uh, well, I've got one about the sunflower as well. So mm. the sunflower is actually made of a whole bunch of small flowers. Mm. Yep. Uh, the outer petals are known as the florets, while the seeds in the middle uh, actually have male and female sex organs. Mm. And that's how they produce the seeds. They self-pollinate and attract pollen from wind and insects. Yeah, yeah, I, I read that where self-pollinating, so you could just grow mm. one if you wanted to, yeah. Yeah, well, there's actually a really cool part of the history today where we talk about the male and female aspect of the, the plant, so. Okay, yep. yeah. Very good. Hmm. Um, I'm probably gonna take one of yours because you generally do this every week, but uh, oh, the tallest don't sunflower you take plant. take record one. <laughs> Go, you, you finish it off. The world records are mine, man. <laughs> you finish it off. <laughs> no, you go. I take it every, every, <laughs> every single time. The tallest sunflower, and this blew me away because I watched a lot of YouTube videos on growing and harvesting uh, the seeds from the flower, and I just I couldn't imagine one growing this tall. Yeah. But 9.17 metres <laughs> yes. grown in Germany by a bloke called Hans-Peter Schiffer. Yes. I think it was back in 2014, but uh, nine metres tall. I find that remarkable. Like how thick would the... They're quite sturdy. Just no, like know, the ones but... that are one or two metres high. Those those stalks are really... But yeah, I mean, it'd be like a tree. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's... A, I mean, as it grows higher, it, obviously the base is going to expand. Yeah. So how thick would it be? Cause I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you know, so in Melbourne each year, there's a place out in the country that has a, a sunflower farm mm -hmm. and each year they open it up to the general public to come in and pick, um, you, I think entry is like five bucks and you can pick two sunflowers with your $5. And if you want more, more sunflowers, you just pay like an extra $2 per sunflower. But you can basically go walking through a plantation of sunflowers yeah. and, you know, pick them all up. So 
you know, they give you like something to hack the bottom with, but you've got to kind of bring your own stuff as well. But just cutting down those one meter, two meter tall ones is difficult. Yeah. Like I said, I was watching some YouTube and, you know, they cut the flower head off to extract the seeds and even just where they, where they cut it off, you can see it's, it's really fibrous and they've got to kind of hack through it. And yeah. yeah. So on that point, my other, uh, my other point was the general height of the sunflowers. So they usually grow between one and a half meters to three and a half meters. Yep. Yeah. So that put, sort of puts it in context to say that this guy grew something three times the size of the bigger ones. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, I did, when I was looking at the growing stage, you can buy a variety that's a dwarf sunflower. So they, yes. they're a lot smaller, but yeah, um, I don't think they produce any seed. Yeah, okay. Well, not seeds that you want to eat anyway, mm. but I'm going to get into that a bit more. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Have you got any more facts? Yeah, so I've got one more. And and I think most people would know what I'm talking about. So the sunflower follows the sun, right? Most people most people know that it, it follows the sun and that sort of thing. But do yeah. you know what it's called? Have you got this as a fact? This is my last fact yeah. too. <laughs> um, it's good. We really should compare notes. No, no, it's fine. You go. Uh, heliotropism. Yes. So that is the the term of the uh, sunflower following the sun during the day. Mm. Um, starts facing in the east and ends facing in the west. And I read somewhere as the flower gets older and more mature, it um, will stay facing the east. So it will oh. stop following the sun and just stay facing the east. Really? And it's to do with warming up the flower head and, yeah. Wow. It's got to, trying to collect more warmth. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool, huh? Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah. I, I find it really fascinating that a plant will do that. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Although it is fascinating. I 100% agree with you. But um, a lot of plants follow follow the light, just not to the same extent. Yeah, I, I, I get that. They grow towards it. And I, yeah. and I understand that part. But that is a, a slow process. Mm. We're talking about it moving in line with the sun as it moves through the day that's it's very incredible. different yeah it's it's, mm. it's so fascinating yeah, yeah i love it mm. uh well good facts i like them this week yeah me too all right let's get stuck into history shall we sounds good So uh, the sunflower is actually native to North America, believe it or not. I did not know that. Yeah. And it was actually one of the first, like it was first grown as a crop by indigenous tribes there over four and a half thousand years ago. Fascinating. Mm. Now I've read that it goes back to as far as 4,000 BC, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. There was a bit of conflicting information. There was one that said 4,000 BC. There was one that said 1,000 BC. So I think if we talk about about four and a half thousand years ago, we're probably around the one to 2,000 BC mark. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it's actually the Native Americans who cultivated the sunflower from the original bushy multi-head type of plant that it was to the single stemmed plant with the large flower. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. So they, they kind of domesticated it and selectively bred and yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So the Native Americans actually used the sunflower for a multitude of different purposes from milling it for flour, which we touched on just before. Um, they used it for meal production in terms of bread and cakes. Uh, they also roasted the seeds and ate them whole. And they also used the seeds in a, like a seed mix granola type thing that they, they used to eat as well. Which it's is pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's still, we still use it in a lot of seed mix and trail mix and that sort of thing today. Absolutely. So, yeah. So according to some sources, the sunflowers were one of the Im most important crops in the native American gardens. They were calling the sunflower the fourth sister in reference to the three sisters. So in, in native American culture, there's the three sisters of beans, corn, and squash which were kind of the staples in their cuisine. And uh, they were saying that sunflowers were the fourth sister. By squash, you mean pumpkin? Squash? I believe so. Right, yeah. Yeah. So there's different types of squash over in the States, though. Yeah. They've got a whole bunch of different types of squash. Mm -hmm. yep. But I'm assuming that with the amount of time that we're looking back, the squash that they're referring to would be different to what we know as pumpkin today. Yeah, sure. Uh, just like with every vegetable that we pretty much talk about, it was something different thousands of years ago, but it's been cultivated and changed genetically to give us a better type of crop these days for our consumption. Yeah. An easier one to grow. I mean, that's usually primary reason that these things change mm. and to make it more palatable to what we think is good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the sunflower seeds, there are this really important food crop. Uh, they used it for a source of oil for cooking. Uh, they also used different sunflower varieties to produce purple and yellow dyes. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, the sunflower oil was also believed to treat uh, skin ailments um, and other sort of medicinal purposes, including, guess? Uh, the sting of a serpent. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a snake bite remedy. Nice. I swear to God, the earth was full of snakes back in the day. Probably was. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. I can't believe how many snake ailments all the stuff that we talk about it's always a snake ailment used like. for snakes yeah mm. um there were some native people that also saw them as a symbol of courage uh so warriors would actually carry uh sunflower cakes and things like that into battle or hunt you know hunters would sprinkle uh sunflower uh, powder on top of their clothing to keep their spirits high wow yeah, there's actually a really old um, legend of the Sandpoles uh, people that states, uh, so it's like this old legend that talks about this uh, like coyote that comes to the village because he wants the hand of uh, the granddaughter of old man and old woman. So, you know, the, the I read the whole parable and it, it goes on like, goes on for a long time but basically weaves this story about um coyote coming into a village that they didn't know who this person was and he taught them how to fish salmon mm -hmm. uh, and you know when they caught the salmon they they saw the sunflower he was like go up the hill and collect 
the salmon plant, which was the sunflowers. Yeah. And then they used the sunflower to prepare the salmon. And, and when they laid the salmon down, they'd lay it on sunflower yeah, okay. uh, stalks. And I mean, without getting too much into it, the stalk was used to roast the salmon. Like they used it. They didn't break the salmon apart or anything. They roasted a whole and all that sort of thing. So yeah. um, it was really interesting. But even to this day, the Sampoles tribe harvest salmon the exact same way that Coyote taught them back in the legend. Wow, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really love that uh, tale and it was really cool to kind of look at that. Yeah. Um, so uh, aside from the crop's value as food, uh, there actually has been some archaeologists that have shown that sunflowers had a lot of non-food uses. So we touched on the dye before uh, they also used it as sunscreen. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and the plant's kind of fibrous stem. We just spoke about this before. You know, they've got this really thick, hard stem. Mm. Uh, they actually used it for construction. Uh, it makes sense. Makes it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Completely makes sense. Yeah, um, it's almost like a, a bamboo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Although it doesn't grow as tall as bamboo, it, it sort of has that fibrous... Same, um, similar structure too, because it's hollow mm. in the middle and, and it's yes. got that really kind of fibrous, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's quite, quite unique like that, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Uh, so the sunflower was actually, it wasn't until about 1510 that it was discovered uh, by Spanish sailors who, you know, gathered this crop and, and bring it back to Europe. Yeah. Um, but when it got back to, oh, you go. No, I, I was about to say something then I realized I was wrong, but, uh, <laughs> there's not many, not many, uh, things that we've covered so far that the history goes the other way. It's yeah. Normally, it's normally, you know, kind of the middle East or, um, Mediterranean region. And then it ex expands out and then the Spanish exploration brings yes. it across to the other side of the world. You know, but I think tomatoes would have, or yes. Uh, it was yeah. tomatoes, yeah, that were in um, down in South America, South America, yeah, yeah. and in Mexico, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so it, it kind of made its way back to Europe, but it was really kind of overlooked as a food source for about two hundred years when it got back to Europe. They kind of they used it merely for ornamental, uh, and they also used it sometimes for uh, sunflowers have this anti-inflammatory property that they that they used it for, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really used a lot for that. Yeah. So, you know, the sunflower growing kind of developed a little bit more through the 1700s and it had uh, spread a little bit more across Europe, but it, uh, you know, when it hit Russia and the Ukraine by the turn of the 19th century, it was really there that the true potential for the sunflower seed for oil production was recognized and they, uh, you know, they put production lines in place and they established these production lines to to generate the sunflower seed oil. Yeah, wow. I mean, it, I think that's the first time um, we've spoken about Russia as being kind of a primary producer. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, so a contributing factor to sunflower seed oil production being so high in Russia was the Russian Orthodox Church. Now, okay, go on. During the 18th century, they actually issued a, a diktat 
So a diktat is uh, an order or decree that kind of gets imposed by someone in power and it's without popular consent. Okay, good. I'm glad you clarified that because I thought diktat was something else. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It is not that. Uh, We need more dragons. (laughs) (laughs) So during the 18th century, they did this decree, right? that for the period of Lent, Mm -hmm. the sunflower seed oil was excluded from a list of banned substances. Okay. Yeah. So for those who don't know what Lent is, Lent is basically a period of time, you know, it's about 40 days prior to Easter where those of the faith will spend time fasting to remember, you know, that Jesus spent 40 days fasting in the desert. Mm, yep. So essentially that's what Lent is you know, to break it down to like really generic kind of. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's like the way. Christian version of Ramadan. Yeah. It's it, yeah. yeah, essentially. Mm. So, you know, they, they had this list of banned things that you couldn't have during Lent and, and Lent is all about giving up things. It's, you know, self-reflection, prayer, all of those things. So the fact that sunflower seed oil wasn't on the list meant that, you know, for these 40 days or six weeks, people were using it because they were allowed to. Yeah. 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 Sounds, sounds legit. Yeah. So demand for the sunflower oil kind of boomed and it expanded to, um, from what, what I read, it, it's expanded to more than 800,000 hectares across Russia in the early 1800s. Wow. Yeah. Now that's a lot I, of sunflowers. You said 800,000 hectares? Yes. Far out. Yeah. That is huge. That's a yeah. lot, right? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So um, they kept, you know, the production kept going uh, and demand kind of uh, kind of split into two different areas. There was oil and there was also the seed. So the seeds were still being consumed, but it was the oil mostly that was, you know, that was really being pushed. So the Russians actually uh, have a hybrid of the sunflower that they created, which was called the mammoth Russian. Mm-hmm. And this was developed late in the 1800s. Uh, and it had heaps of the akins inside the head. So akins are the little seeds inside the sunflower or larger seeds inside the sunflower. That's essentially what they're called when they've got the shell on it and all the things still on it. So, and these mammoth Russians grew to about 50 centimeters in diameter. Yeah. Big flowers, right? That's a, that's a massive flower. I was just flicking through my notes down to the growing and the mammoth, the mammoth one is one of the listed as one of the uh, varieties to be a good seed producer. Yeah. So it's still done these days. Like it, you know, it was produced and, and it really came forward. So, it wasn't until this stage that there were a few Europeans that were moving back to North America. And that's when this type of sunflower started moving back to, you know, North America. Now I'm going to pause just for a second here because I want to talk about Vasily Stepanovich Pustovic. Now this guy is basically known for, pushing sunflower seed oil production forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like the father of sunflower seed oil. Like he, you know, he was one of the most important figures in the breeding uh, stage. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he began working in Russia in about 1912 uh, as a research scientist. Uh, and he established a program that started looking at uh, cross-producing hybrids and assessing them based on, uh, you know, the best performing hybrids. Okay? Yeah. Uh, and he was really uh, known for uh, the foundation work for creating the high oil, high yield, modern varieties of sunflower. Right. Yep. Yeah. Which is I was, cool. yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to go into a huge amount of detail, but mm. um, different species are used for oil versus seed. It's not the yes. same. So if you grow a sunflower plant for the seed, yeah, it's different to the one with the oil. So there's yeah. there are there are differences. Yeah, correct. So um, I guess after the war, uh, growing can continued a lot in north and south of the u.s border so they were growing in canada they started a breeding program in about 1930s and it was really the russian breeding program that was driven by pustovic uh pustovic voit i got it right the first time put on your best russian accent yeah uh you know that kind of underpinned all the performance uh advancements uh so you know, the seeds with the high yields, high oil content uh, were about 45% of the crop. Mm -hmm. uh, hang on. Mm -hmm. So the seed, the seed produced high yields and high oil contents of about 45% and continued to push up the profitability of the crop. Yeah. So by the late 60s, their breeding programs have developed uh, beyond yield and oil content. And they started to uh, try to breed to remove disease and, you know, make them a cheaper and a better crop to grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, usually these kinds of breeding programs really get down to how do we cut costs? How do we, change this so that we don't have to spend as much on the crop and increase our profitability, which happens a lot with most uh, vegetables. Yeah. You're just trying to improve yield. Yep. Yeah. But the efforts to create true hybrids were being limited by the sunflower's ability to self pollinate. Hmm. So the male and female reduction uh, reproductive parts were kind of diluting the donor plants and the new traits on the new plants. So it wasn't until 1969 when a French researcher uh, called Lec Lecreux, <laughs> that's terrible. It's L E C L E R C Q. Okay. Anyway, uh, he kind of made a breakthrough uh, with sunflower breeding. Now he figured out a way to switch off the male part of the flower. And they, they know this process now as uh, uh, cytoplasmic male sterilization. Mm -hmm. So the pollen from the donor sunflower could be inserted into the female reproductive structure and it wouldn't dilute the genetic material for uh, the new hybrid systems. Yep. Which is, I mean, how do you figure out how to turn off the male reproductive system on a plant? Yeah, it's 
Crazy, man. Way beyond anyway, me. Yeah. yeah, me too. Uh, but it was in a year later after the French researcher figured out how to switch the male uh, reproductive system off that the, uh, the US Department of Agriculture, uh, a scientist there called Kinman, discovered how to turn the male fertility back on. And that was when it resulted in this true hybrid. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Crazy, huh? Mm. Uh, so, you know, these breeding programs then had the ability to actually create proper commercial hybrids that could look at different traits from different parent plants and, you know, kind of bring all the good uh, traits that they wanted for each individual variety and create essentially what they wanted from each plant. Yeah. Yeah. So I think now these days there's over 70 different varieties of sunflowers. Yeah. I didn't look at how many, but there's definitely, Mm. there's definitely a reasonable amount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it, you know, sunflower uh, because of its improvements over the last 25 years, it now ranks as the fourth most important oil crop in the world. Yeah, it's the, the oil is definitely yeah. used a lot. Yeah. What do you think the first three are, interestingly? Well, didn't we discuss, uh, was it oranges on that list? For oil? Oh, no, it's just for oil. Yeah, just oil, uh, oil crop production. Uh, can, canola? No. Really? No. Uh, I, I've got no idea. Palm? Oh, of course. Yeah, palm oil. Palm oil, right? Yeah. Uh, soybean oil. Ah, uh, yeah. Makes sense as well. Yeah. And rapeseed. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. The palm oil, I should have should have known. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Okay. Interesting. So they reckon uh, estimates kind of suggest that the crop's worth about twenty billion a year globally. Wow. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, so just a couple of little facts that I'm going to kind of end with, with this, uh, in terms of yield, uh, you know, back in 1994, it was about 18.6 million hectares of sunflowers grown yielded about 22 million tons of seed. Mm -hmm. Um, now 23 years later, Uh, the area harvested had risen to 26.5 million hectares. So 35% increase, but the yield had doubled to 47.9 million tons. Yeah. That's, that's where they've really started to play with the, the, the breeding and. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to talk a little bit about, so I'm going to end with this one. This is kind of how the sun, the modern sunflower has changed compared to the wild and older sunflower. So the Akeen, we, we talked about the Akeen. Uh, so Akeen size uh, has gone from 6.7 millimeters long to about 25 millimeters long. Uh, but so the shorter one was obviously the wild one back in the day. The head size of the whole sunflower has gone from about 2.4 to 8 centimetres in diameter and now is, you know, approximately 20 to 30 centimetres in diameter. Obviously, the mammoth ones go even further to what we said was 50 centimetres in diameter. Um, In terms of oil content, it was about 30% oil content in the wild ones. And as we just mentioned before, 
it's about 45% to 50% oil content. Yep. And the plant's height has gone up from about 63 to 171 centimeters to 150 to 180 centimeters. Yeah. And, you know, the old wild ones were multi-stemmed, multi-headed plants. Now we've got a single stem, large flower, and that's essentially what the modern sunflower is today. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I read that the the multi-stemmed ones, the the kind of the branch stems rather mm. than that central stem are really, mm. um, and I'll talk about it in the growing stage, but they're really susceptible to wind and weather and they break off really easily. Oh, yeah, which is kind of why they went with just having that single Mm, yeah. absolutely mm. and it's i find it really interesting that it was the native americans that cultivated it to get it to that single stem you know and then they used it for construction they used it for you know fishing that was a salmon plant for them so yeah you know it was really interesting um so that essentially uh is the history of the sunflower it's very cool very mm. cool nothing i had no baseline to go off on this one and yeah. uh extremely fascinating i i really enjoyed Ooh. this one so Hit what i'm gonna it, man yeah cool what i'm gonna do to open with is refer to my seat i bet you are <laughs> i'm gonna refer back to last week's podcast the cauliflower right so okay. you you were talking about um how one cup of cauliflower which yes. is about 128 grams, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gave you 25 calories. Yes. So in terms of density of mm-hmm. calories, not, not super high. You know, there's not much going on there, but really packed with nutrients and, and that sort of thing. To put it, put it into comparison, right, is sunflower mm. seeds. Most people, I'm, I'm assuming most people know what a sunflower seed looks like. And most yes. of my nutrition is going to be focused on the seed. I'll talk a little bit about the oil, but mostly the seed. Mm-hmm. 30 grams of sunflower seeds, mm-hmm. which is um, obviously not heaps, is 163 calories. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so much more. <laughs> so, like, you know, 128 grams for 25 calories, 30 yep. grams for 163 calories. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking about fats, right? Well, it's in that 30 grams. Yeah. 14 grams is fats. Yeah, okay. So it's half, half <laughs> that's <fat>. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the oil content, isn't it? 45 it is, to yeah. 50%, right? Correct. Yeah. And um, uh, the, the fat we talk about, um, I don't know if we've really talked about it too much, but uh, macronutrient and the mm. density. Fats are the, the, the most densely packed when it comes to grams per calories yes. so you're talking for every gram of fat it's nine calories which is why it's yeah. so so high in calories yeah um yeah and it's it, it's it's really full of your kind of polyunsaturated monounsaturated fats but 14 grams of fat in a in 13 grams Damn. um it, crazy right and i'm just <laughs> i'm gonna go through and talk about everything else that's in that 30 grams and then i might just highlight some uh, 100 gram equivalents outside of that because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you you should not eat 100 grams of sunflower seeds. <laughs> <laughs> I would do that though. 
Like I'd roast them up and I would just sit there and chow down on a hundred grams of it easily. Yeah. I mean, it would be pretty easy, but man, the, the density and the amount of fat and everything that you're going to get, it's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, but interestingly, right. So we've taken 14 grams of the 30 we've taken for, for fat. It's actually five and a half grams of protein in there as well. So oh, wow. it's actually really high in protein mm-hmm. and it's six and a half grams carbs. So it's got really high protein, fat, and carb content. So it's got all three of your 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 macronutrients going on there. It's, yeah, um, wow. It's a really good. And then on top of that, you've got three grams of fiber. Oh. Yeah. So really high in fiber as well. Three grams is when it, when you're talking about 30 gram sample size. It's yeah, 10%. Super, yeah, super high in fiber. Yeah, wow. Um, when I read that, I thought, does that even add up 14 grams of fat five? Like it just feels like there's too, too much. much. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just that on its own, without looking at the, the nutrient and mineral content and everything, yeah. I found really interesting because it's high in all of your macronutrients plus the fiber. Yeah. Um, normally you get one or the other or, you know, kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And usually we have uh, a high water content. Yes. To well, it's always a high water content to vegetables, but you know, seeds are a little bit different. So yeah, they are, and mm. you kind of get taught that um, seeds are high in fat. Everyone's always like, seeds are high in fat. Seeds are high in fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, this is half. Half of it is fat. Yep. So let's talk about um, the nutrients that are in the sunflower seed because quite interesting, right? So the highest content that that's going on there is vitamin E. And vitamin E in 30 grams, you get 37% of your recommended daily intake in 30 grams of sunflower seeds. And vitamin E is a fat soluble, uh, I'm going to talk about it further, but it's a fat soluble compound, uh, which I'll go into more detail later, but I'll read out uh, a few of the others, right? So you've got niacin, uh, vitamin B6, folate, pantothenic acid, iron, magnesium, zinc, copper, manganese and selenium now selenium is 32 percent of your daily intake so really high manganese 30 percent really high copper 26 percent again really high zinc is 10 percent still reasonable magnesium nine percent iron six percent pantothenic acid is at 20 percent so high folate 17 percent vitamin b6 11 percent and niacin is 10 percent so some pretty pretty reasonable levels of um nutrients going on there like really densely packed with some with some good stuff now if you um extrapolate it out to 100 grams your vitamin e which is the highest in there is 160 percent 166 percent of your daily intake um thiamine 99 percent of your daily intake Uh, vitamin b6 67 percent of your daily intake uh, magnesium would be 81% of your daily intake. Copper would be 90%. Manganese would be 97%. Selenium would be 76%. I mean, uh, if we look at um, fatty acids, which are in there, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But in 100 grams, your omega-6, you'd have uh, 23 grams of omega-6, which um, is on the high side. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, look, it's really densely packed with some some high quality nutrients and minerals that uh, are quite beneficial for our health. So what I wanted to do was talk a little bit more about 
some specific ones. So one is vitamin E, because I don't think we've really touched on it too much in the past. Mm. Most of the stuff we've talked about are being water soluble. So lots of vitamin C and that sort of thing. Yep. Whereas, you know, this high fat content vitamin E. So vitamin E is, isn't actually a single vitamin. It's, it's like a group of fat soluble compounds that make up to, to be this really powerful antioxidant in the body. So if you look at vitamin E and vitamin C, they're kind of, kind of opposites of each other. Vitamin C is a really potent antioxidant in the water soluble places of the body. So places of high water. Yep. Your vitamin E is your antioxidant in your fat areas. Okay. So, yeah, they kind of work in two different areas in the body. And it, yeah, so it, it kind of helps prevent your free radicals from damaging the healthy cells. Um, it will also stop the production of what they call a reactive oxygen species, or it's generally referred to as ROS. Uh, and it, it stops this uh, species when uh, formed when fat undergoes oxidation. And scientists are actually investigating whether by limiting free radical production, um, through through this and other mechanisms that vitamin E may help prevent or delay uh, chronic diseases associated with free radicals. So we talk about free radicals a lot in terms of um, cancer and most chronic chronic diseases that we have uh, today, generally because of a overbalance of free radicals that exist. And, mm. You know, we're, we're always making free radicals. They're always yeah. in our body and our body has mechanisms in place to kind of remove them. Uh, it's mm. when that balance gets out of control. Um, vitamin E is also involved with immune function as well. So you've got that kind of antioxidant effect and, you know, supporting the immune system. Like I said, vitamin C is the same. It's an antioxidant and it supports the immune system. So they're kind mm. of, they're both required for different parts of the body. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is selenium. We haven't really gone into a lot of detail about that uh, in the past as well. Yeah, and sunflower seeds are quite high in selenium, uh, so uh, it's a it's a trace mineral that is it is. I mean, I've only just learned about selenium. I knew a little bit, but it, it, really interesting, right? So it's really fundamental um, to our our health, and there's some evidence from studies uh, and intervention trials on animals, uh, animal models, I should say, of cancer has suggested that there's a strong inverse correlation between your selenium intake and the incidence of cancer. So obviously the more selenium you have, the less cancer you're going to get or vice versa. Mm. Um, it has been shown to induce DNA repair and synthesis in damaged cells. Super interesting. Uh, and it also inhibits the proliferation of cancer cells. So good to slow down cancer growth as well. Um, and it also induces a thing called apoptosis, which is, um, it's, it's a de term defined for uh, when the sequence that body uses to um, eliminate worn out or abnormal cells. It's like the body sends out a signal to, to destroy them or get rid of them, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it helps, it helps with the body's system to clear out the bad stuff as well. Regeneration. Yeah. So it's really, mm. this is why it's really fundamental to human health. Yeah, wow. uh, selenium is incorporated at the active site of many proteins, um, including one called uh, glutathione peroxidase, uh, which is, <laughs> got it right, Perfect, uh, mate. which is Perfect. particularly important for cancer protection. Yep. Uh, and it's one of the body's most powerful antioxidant enzymes. This glutathione peroxidase is used uh, in the liver to 
detoxify um, like a wide range of harmful molecules. Wow. And when levels of this uh, glutathione peroxidase <laughs> are too low, so when they when these levels get really low, uh, these the the molecules that it, it can um, get rid of they they start to wreak havoc on on cells that they come in contact with and it damages mm. the cellular dna and promotes the development of cancer cells so um again really really crucial step in in that keeping that balance under control so if yeah. the balance gets too far out of whack then it, it'll it'll um you know let the let the system go too far in the wrong direction yeah so you know what's really funny and i mainly just i mean we always realize this as well but you know our body is a such a it's almost like a ticking time bomb yeah you know that if it isn't allowed to perform its functions the way it is supposed to perform its function then things can go wrong really quickly mm. you know and you've got all these these systems that uh, are working um, I guess synergistically in a way and, and yeah. keeping, keeping the, the homeostasis inside yes. the body and just keeping it. And then, you know, it'll fluctuate here and there and, you know, yeah. we'll get sick. So if it goes too far one way, we might get a cold or a mm. flu or, and then, yeah, we've got to try and try and maintain that nice balance, but you're right. Yeah. It is. It's like a ticking time bomb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just shows you why we say food is medicine. Yes. You know, you are, actively taking in these vitamins and minerals that help the body keep that balance. Correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I don't know. We talk a lot about, uh, you know, sunflower seeds, not a great example, but some of the stuff we've covered in the past where they, they're really entwined in the, the fabric of um, culture and the belief mm-hmm. system and that sort of thing. It really highlights how differently they thought about food. Yes. And, you know, they, some foods were, I guess, worshipped or revered or held to high esteem, and and they they knew that foods had certain properties that were going to help them, and you know that take it for this or that, whether they were right or wrong, they they were really trying to use food as medicine. Whereas nowadays, yes. it's like get a pill or a tablet or go see the doctor and they'll write your prescription. It's not what have I got to eat or what have I got to change? What's my yes. body lacking? You know, no. all that sort of stuff. And we don't, we think about food now as we eat our three meals a day. We need it to stay alive. That's, mm. that's why we think about it or we enjoy it. And it's eating. also, yeah, it's also an enjoyment thing. Yeah. You know, and a, it's almost a luxury item that we can play around with to get different flavors. And, you know, we don't really look at it from a, health perspective a lot of the time i mean i'm not saying that this is for everyone but Mm. i just find it really interesting that there's a little less focus on it these days with it being medicinally what food is rather than it being something fun to do or do you you know what i mean i i totally understand i mean i'm i'm a i'm a good example i i would eat just because i like eating Yes. It's not because I think I need certain type of food or, you know, I just, I'll eat because I I love eating food. I just love tasting food and the flavors and, you know, it's, it's not until I guess we had, we had Hugh and we've got to think about what food we put in his body. And and then you and I started 
you know, on this journey of, of learning where it's started to slowly change my mind back to, okay, what am I eating? What is it yes. doing to my body? Yeah. Am I getting everything I need? And yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Sorry about that little segue. No, I love it. It's great. Mm. Um, there's one, well, actually there's two more things I wanted to draw attention to. One was niacin. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's also known as vitamin B3 and niacin helps repair DNA. Mm-hmm. And um, it has also shown that there, there may be some cholesterol lowering uh, and lowering risk of heart disease. Um, really interesting there in terms of repairing the DNA because the DNA um, breakdown has got a lot to do with free radical and, mm. you know, those abnormal tumor growths and that sort of thing. So nice and in conjunction with, uh, with the selenium, you know, selenium's got repair and uh, DNA synthesis. So they, they kind of work together uh, at a really, really um, fundamental level when we're talking about DNA. Mm super fascinating and the last one um and this is weirdly one of my favorite favorite i guess minerals is uh, magnesium and we haven't mm. gone into a lot of detail and i have i no. still haven't magnesium is a big one because uh, it's used in so many different functions in the body it's hard to cover them all in a small sidebar but uh there's some well, we'll a full ep on on magnesium surely. yeah i feel like yeah. we it could at least do a whole episode on magnesium, but the sunflower seeds are pretty high in, in magnesium. And uh, there are studies that have shown that magnesium can help reduce the severity of asthma, lower blood pressure, prevent migraines, reducing the risk of heart attack and strokes. And I mean, this list is huge. It, uh, somebody told me this was years ago now that magnesium is actually used in over 300 different chemical reactions in the body. Wow. So it's incredibly important. I mean, like I said, I can't go into all the detail, but I'll, I'll just talk about what I've got here. It also used uh, for bone health, energy production. Um, about two thirds of the magnesium that is in the human body is actually found in the bone. Mm. Um, so obviously bone health is quite important there. Yeah. Um, it kind of helps giving bones physical structure and that sort of thing. Wow. Yeah. Um, one really important thing is it's, it counterbalances calcium and without getting into heaps of detail, magnesium and calcium are the pathways used to contract and relax muscles. Ooh. So calcium's used on the contraction signal and magnesium's used on the, the relaxed signal. Um, really, really simple explanation there, but um, it kind of regulates nerve and muscle tone. So in the nerve cells, muscle and muscle serves as a calcium channel blocker which prevents calcium from rushing into the nerve um, and activating it so by blocking calcium's entry magnesium keeps the nerves relaxed which is what i talked about Mm. so if we have uh, not enough magnesium in our diet this calcium can gain um, free entry into the nerve and the cells then become kind of overactivated and send too many messages causing excessive contraction so this manifests as muscle spasms yes and cramping correct yeah so it's generally a sign of um magnesium deficiency wow wow Uh, but separate to that the insufficient magnesium can contribute to high blood pressure because of you got and muscle spasms and this means the heart got the heart's a muscle as well so the heart can spasm 
the airway in your lungs can spasm because they're all muscle in there as well. And that's where this kind of um, symptomatic of um, asthma comes in. Yeah. Uh, you've got headaches, you know, you've got muscles there that can uh, be involved with headache, muscle cramps, tension, soreness, fatigue, a bunch of others too. Magnesium can also play with um, serotonin and, you know, there's heaps going on there. Wow. But magnesium super, super important, right? Wow. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah, so magnesium, niacin, selenium, and vitamin E, really high doses in in, in the seed. Uh, so I just wanted to touch on those uh, as an important kind of um, highlight. Mm. Uh, now I just want to talk about some of the, I guess, um, broader, broader uh, things that you can get from a sunflower seed. So you brought yeah. up earlier about uh, inflammation. Yes, so in a study of about 6,000 adults of those, those who reported eating sunflower seeds and other seeds at least five times a week had 32% lower levels of a C-reactive protein compared to people who ate no seeds. And it's shown that increased blood levels of this uh, inflammatory marker, which is the C-reactive protein, is actually linked to an increased risk of heart disease and type 2 diabetes. Wow. Um, also, in conjunction with the, the vitamin E, that helps lower this C-reactive protein as well. So it's reducing this inflammatory protein. Uh, and then there's also uh, sunflowers high in flavonoids and other plant compounds as well that reduce inflammation as well. We talk a lot about yeah. you know, um, polyphenols and, and antioxidants and all that sort of stuff in a lot of other plants as too. Uh, blood disease, uh, blood disease, heart disease. I want to talk about. So we talked about the magnesium helping there with the heart, but um, the seeds block this enzyme that causes the the vessels to constrict, and um, and it helps your blood vessels relax. And again, we talk about magnesium lowering or helping to lower blood pressure, mm. um, kind of lowering your risk factors to heart yep. disease. Yep. Again, the high levels of unsaturated fatty acids, uh, especially linoleic acid. Um, it makes this hormone compound that, that like I said, relaxes uh, blood vessels. And the fatty acid, linoleic acid, also helps lower cholesterol. So again, reducing those risk factors. There was a study with uh, women with type 2, type 2 diabetes who ate uh, 30 grams of sunflower seeds daily as part of a you know a general balanced diet, but they found a five percent drop in systolic blood pressure. So that's the uh, the top number when you're talking mm -hmm. about blood pressure. They also noticed a nine and twelve percent decrease in bad cholesterol and triglycerides. So nine percent decrease for LDL cholesterol and twelve percent decrease for their triglycerides. Wow. So again, reducing risk risk factors for heart disease. And we've spoken about it before. Heart disease is the biggest killer of people globally. Yes. Uh, you know, so reducing these factors is really important. Mm. Uh, there's a, a review of 13 studies of people with uh, high linoleic acid intake. Uh, they had a 15% lower risk of heart disease, such as heart attack and 21% lower risk of dying of heart disease compared to those with low intake of linoleic acid. Mm. Um, and I was going to talk about the oils because you can get sunflower oil um, that's high in linoleic acid. And then there's, there's varying different oils. Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at how much is on the shelf in Australia, but this, the, the place I was reading was more centered around the U S but you can buy different oil content. So you can buy high linoleic acid. You can buy 
50-50 linoleic and oleic acid and yep. you can buy high oleic acid and then there's high oleic and steric acid and they all kind of do different things and ah. linoleic is basically omega-6 yep and the oleic acid is omega-9 okay. which you don't really hear much about but um I'll, I'll go into a little bit of detail after I go through the seed um, with that sort of thing. There's also the phytosterols, which are the compounds found in, uh, found in this plant that have a chemical structure very similar to cholesterol. Uh, so when this phytosterol is present uh, in sufficient amounts in diet, it's thought to reduce uh, the blood level of cholesterol and enhance your immune response and decrease the risk of certain cancers. The phytosterol, phytosterols uh, effects are so dramatic that they've been extracted from soybean, corn, and pine tree, or pine tree oil and added to processed foods such as butter replacement spreads. So mm -hmm. the butters that kind of advertise that they're uh, cholesterol lowering, mm -hmm. they generally have these phytosterols added to them to help lower cholesterol. So you, you get that out of sunflower seeds and some other wow. ones, but sunflower seeds is quite high in this phytosterol. Wow. Yeah. And there's this study in the journal of agricultural food and chemistry researchers published um, the amount of phytosterol present in nuts and seeds commonly eaten in the U S was this study. Sesame seeds is the highest at 400 to 413 milligrams per grams. And then it's followed by, which are only, I think they're only 200, around 200 milligrams per hundred, but uh, pistachios and pumpkin seeds are next on the list. So it's, it's not only is it the highest, it's the highest by almost double anything yeah. else. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, super interesting. Uh, diabetes. So uh, there's been some studies that suggest that people who eat 30 grams of sunflower seeds daily. Now we talked about 30 grams earlier, so you can, you know, there's a fair amount of um, nutrient present in, in just 30 grams. Yeah. So eating 30, 30, 30 grams daily as part of a healthy diet uh, was shown to reduce fasting blood sugar by about 10% within six months. Um, and this, this blood sugar lowering effect, uh, they believe is due to the chlorogenic acid. Now, we've spoken about chlorogenic acid um, in previous podcasts as well. Uh, and particularly in related to uh, regulating blood sugar. Mm -hmm. uh, so the studies have also suggested that adding sunflower seeds to foods like bread, so really high carbohydrate foods, helps mm. decrease the carb effect on your blood sugar. So it's, mm. it's almost like a blocker in a way. The, the protein and fat um, slow down your stomach digestion so rather, if you eat something that's really high in carbs, you, you process it really quickly and it, it's, it's broken down, it's moved through to the intestine and now all that carb and, and sugars were released into the bloodstream. It happens really quick. Mm. But if you just add some sunflower seeds, you slow that whole process down and get a, a more... So basically, it's like lowering the GI. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of just change, change that glycemic index and That's you get a more... Fascinating. I know, it's... it's so cool. Wow. I've actually got a blood sugar monitor and I, mm. I kind of want to test it. I want to eat some bread and test my blood sugar and then do the same like the next day with sunflower, sunflower seeds. And see well, there, you can get bread with sunflower seeds on the top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you know, uh, probably pumpkin seeds and yeah. you know, anything that's high. And it's, it's the fact that the seed is high in both um, fat and protein. 
Mm. That's what's so key about it. It's got the two yeah. and it just slows the whole digestion down. So yeah, really interesting. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we've talked about the high fiber and we've talked about fiber in a lot of episodes. You've mm-hmm. got fi- uh, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber and it comes down to healthy gut, you know, eating more fiber. We've got your bowels moving, um, more regularly and smoothly, I guess, in a way you're feeding gut, gut flora, mm-hmm. uh, cholesterol lowering blood sugar level regulation and, um, the whole weight loss thing. But, you know, by slowing your digestion down, you can feel fuller and you may not mm-hmm. you'd be less inclined to snack and, you know, that sort of thing as well. So it's yeah. um, really good there Re- overall health for fiber. Um, and the, the sunflower seeds, you know, like I said, they've got the fiber, they've got high level of good fat, high level of protein loaded with antioxidants and vitamin E, uh, which, which is amazing for the, for the body and then mm. really high in that selenium and magnesium. So in terms of overall, all overall, uh, um, density, it's sunflower seeds just blew me away in terms of mm. what, what is going on. And, and in such a small, small amount you know you're getting really yeah. high doses of some some super important nutrients and minerals in there um so uh, super fascinating i just want to talk a bit about the oil mm. um, we mentioned earlier the the breeding has changed so that one sunflower is used for oil production and one is used for seed production yep. generally the seed production the the husks are striped black so they're kind of Mm-hmm. gray or white with a black stripe the I've ones that are those. yeah and they're the ones you eat for seeds yep um the the plant that's used for oil those husks are, are all black okay so, yeah so c- quite different in terms of um what they look like but uh sunflower oil is um well you said what was it number four in the oil production yeah worldwide yeah it's used everywhere for oil i mean we don't we don't use sunflower oil at home for cooking but it's it's pretty widely used i talked about the linoleic acid so you've got um you can buy sunflower oil with different levels of uh, of different whether it's linoleic or olic or steric and that sort of thing mm. the the, the oleic and, and steric acid is generally used in because um, steric acid is like a, a fatty acid that's solid at room temperature. So oh. it's generally used in food, like food and ice cream and chocolate and that kind of the processed food industry. Okay. Um, yeah. So y- you normally wouldn't see that on the shelf because it's solid at room temperature. I can kind of see that happening in... Um like plant-based burgers and to give it that sort of hardness when you it's in the burger. And then as soon as you start frying it off, the oil gets released. To, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So similar sort of thing. Right. So mm. um, I talked about linoleic acid is actually omega six mm-hmm. and um, the oleic acid is omega nine, which I really, not, I don't know a lot about. I've heard of three, six and nine, but, I really don't know much about nine, uh, but yeah. So you've got a six and nine. They both, they both um, have their kind of beneficial properties. Uh, contribute to cell and tissue strength, um, mm-hmm. but they react in different ways uh, to heat when they're being cooked with. And that's this is where the key, the key difference is, right? So the linoleic acid is much better under heat versus yep. the oleic acid. 
So if you're using oil for cooking, kind of go with the high, high linoleic, linoleic acid, um, just because of the heat. I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you one thing really quickly. And I just looked this up really quickly, but, uh, the beyond burgers have sunflower oil in them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And they would be high in steric acid. Yeah. 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 They have, uh, they have canola oil, cocoa butter, coconut oil and sunflower oil as their oil parts in the, in their burgers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? eh? Interesting. Hmm. So that definitely leads into, I suppose they, you want that as a sizzle on the, on the grill, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So when it comes to talking about the oil content, there's some research that has suggested that a diet rich in monounsaturated fatty acids like oleic acid, um, may help reduce high cholesterol and then that goes into you know your risk factor for heart disease mm-hmm. um, there was a study done in adults that found those who ate a diet rich in high in high olic levels of sunflower oil specifically for 10 weeks they had a significantly lower um, blood level of uh, LDL cholesterol your bad cholesterol and triglycerides wow. um, than those who ate a similar amount of uh, just saturated fat. So mm-hmm. instead of the monounsaturated, yep. there was another study of 24 people with high blood lipid, lipid levels, so blood fat levels. Um, they're consuming a diet with high olic sunflower for eight weeks led to a significant increase in HDL, so your good cholesterol, yep. compared to a diet without the sunflower oil. So um, quite interesting there in terms of the health benefits on there. Mm. Um, but there are there are some negative effects to to the oil as well. So you you do get that heat induced change as well. Yeah. Um, the uh, you have some varieties of sunflower that are not high in oleic. They contain more linoleic acid, known as omega six. So even though the omega six is a, a fatty acid that we need in our diet. Um, too much of it can lead to more inflammation in the body rather than, you know, we're trying to reduce the inflammation in the body. So you've got to be yeah. careful of your consumption. And um, uh, yeah, so over-consuming uh, this kind of omega-6, omega, omega six, um, it, there's a lot of kind of negative health effects that come when um, you take it out of ratio with three. So there should, you should have three and six in a one-to-one ratio. And if you're consuming too much sunflower oil, you're getting lots of six, but you know, how much omega-3 are you getting in your diet as well? People Mm. may not pay attention to the ratio in which they eat. Yeah. Um, So, you know, really interesting there, but um, what I wanted to touch on was a heating oil. Yep. So um, sunflower oil can uh, release potentially toxic compounds when it's heated to temperatures over 82 degrees repeatedly. So we talk about frying food. So when you're buying, when you go and you buy fried foods, you know, they've got these vats that are full of hot oil and they might be cooled down overnight and then reheated. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so when, when that repeated heating process goes, they release uh, potentially damaging uh, toxins. Okay. And, uh, it's often used in high heat cooking. So because it has a high smoke point, um, but studies have shown that the high smoke point doesn't actually correspond with an oil stability. And this is what stood out to me because I actually used that as a reference marker 
Mm. Um, in the past you'd look for a high smoke point oil because it's more stable to heat yep but, uh, it's actually not the case it, it just because it's got a high smoke point doesn't actually indicate the oil stability under heat mm. so there was a, a study that found that sunflower oil released the highest amount of aldehydes which is you know a toxic toxic chemical um into cooking fumes compared with other plant-based oils um in three different frying techniques uh, these aldehydes are toxic compounds that can damage dna and cells um, and contribute to things like heart disease and alzheimer's so um really interesting there if you're cooking with sunflower oil you should really really kind of limit yourself to lower temperature cooking mm -hmm. rather than you know super high even deep frying and you want to stay out of that kind of thing with sunflower oil wow um so yeah i, I found that that quite interesting um but uh, that is the nutrition and medicine of, I'm going to just say, the sunflower. That's amazing, mate. Loved it. Yeah. That was really cool. There's heaps to take in, though. Heaps Lots, man. In. Yeah. I think the biggest point that you made for me is about moderation. Yeah. You know, it's got really good levels in it. Um, yeah. And it's, it's always best. And I think this is with a lot of different fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, everything. Moderation is key. Mm. And not overindulging in one specific thing to try and, you know, it's really about diversifying your nutrient and mineral intake over multiple vegetables and multiple sources to get that real uh, balanced effect of everything rather than just trying to hammer something and you may go way over in your omega-6 and it ends up being detrimental to you yeah well when when you're talking about um moderation this was was interesting um if you actually eat too many sunflower seeds at once you can have something that's called fecal impaction <laughs> sounds sounds amazing I'm sorry, right what? i'm sorry what now <laughs> fecal impaction or commonly referred to as a stool blockage oh constipation yep yeah wow <laughs> yeah so um yeah you, you just you, it's moderation it's all about eating Absolutely. everything in moderation um, yeah definitely yeah, that oh that was cool man okay let's talk cooking Yes. Yes. All right. So we're going to start off with a real simple part of cooking with sunflower seeds. And this is if you grow them yourself and you're looking to harvest them, you know, from a big 50 centimeter mammoth Russian sunflower, mm. uh, then this is how you kind of prep them. So essentially, you know, you're going to talk about harvesting a little later, but once you've harvested the seeds, you actually have to boil them in salted water for about, you know, uh, 15 to 20 minutes. So you boil the water and then you bring it back to a simmer and you simmer it for 15 to 20 minutes. So the, the sunflower seeds are in there the whole time, bit of salt in there as well. And then you drain the water out and spread your seeds out into a, a single sort of tray and whack them in the oven for about 10 to 15 minutes at about you know 180 200 degrees uh, celsius uh, and then you know 
have it, check them out about 10 minutes and you'll see what they're like, but they should roast pretty much perfectly at that, uh, at that stage. And then you can whip them out and start chewing down on them. I think the most important thing to note though, is uh, they can go uh, to chard really quickly. So you got to yeah. make sure you keep an eye on it. Yeah. I just want to add, uh, don't eat the case, shell. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say all of those instructions were when the seed still has the husk on it. Correct. And then, so you, you, you do the salt water and then the, the baking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then once they're baked, you kind yes. of, you have to break the shell open. And yes. The yeah. seeds on the inside of the husk. Don't eat the husk. Don't eat if you, the husk. If you do eat the husk. You'll be um, sick. No, not, not necessarily. Well, actually, it could make you sick. I don't think yes. I wrote it down, uh, but the the shell fragments uh, can damage your um, intestine and can oh, like perforate your intestine and that sort of stuff. Yeah, so you really don't That's, want to eat the husks. Yeah. No, no. Blah. Okay. So this is what you can use sunflower seeds for, all right? There's a mm. whole range of things. Uh, I saw a sunflower seed risotto, what? Yeah, so you replace the rice from the risotto with sunflower seeds and it makes a creamy kind of risotto-esque mixture. Yeah. Um, the thing about that though, and I, 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 I'm saying this to you after you finish your nutrition. Now, I knew nothing about nutrition before I mm. put this together. A sunflower seed risotto would be incredibly high in calories i know when you said that i'm thinking damn how many calories would that be it's like a thousand calorie risotto (laughs) crazy but you can do it Mm -hmm. um you know if you want a nut free rice free you know a grain free Mm -hmm. risotto it's something that you can do Mm -hmm. uh you can also make sunflower seed butter as you would be aware of uh you can make sunflower seed cheese Wow. Uh, you can also, you know, you can put sunflower seeds, toast them and put them on top of salads. You can put them into breakfast bowls. You can add it, you know, if we're talking about getting your 30 grams of sunflower seeds a day, adding it to your breakfast smoothie bowl or adding it to a bowl of granola um, or a, like a crunch thing is a really good way to get that in. Mm. Uh, you can put them in cookies. You can add it to hummus. You can sprinkle it on your favorite uh, zoodles recipe. For those who don't know what a zoodle is, it's a zucchini noodle. Yeah, we use them. Mm. Yep. Um, I love zoodles. Mm-hmm. They're so cool yes. and like low calorie. So, I mean, if you're looking at pairing up something, you know, uh, essentially, you know, sunflower seeds can really be used. Um, as a replacement for a lot of other types of seeds like yep. cashews. So, oh, so sorry, not seeds, nuts. So cashew, if you're wanting nut free, anything that has the word cashew in it, essentially you can swap that out for sunflower seeds. It may be a different ratio, but you can substitute in sunflower seeds for that. So when we're talking about making a pesto and traditionally like a lot of pestos have cashews yeah. as a base, you know, as part of the base for the thing, you can definitely swap that out and make it a nut-free pesto mm-hmm. by using your basil, using your olive oils, and using sunflower seeds in there. That's which I that's thought was very cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. You can also mill it down and make bread. 
So this is, I find this fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's a gluten-free. Yeah. And nut-free. Nut yeah. And grain-free. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think that's a big thing. A lot of people recently, well, not recently, but over the last 10 years, I would say, there's been a lot of movement towards grain-free eating. Mm, that's the paleo sort of movement. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whether that's right or wrong, I'm a big believer in moderation, but um, but again, I can't really talk about that because I don't have gluten because I'm celiac. So, you know. Rules I, out I a lot of grains, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't have gluten anyway. So when I saw that sunflower seed comes as a flower and you can make it into everything, I was like, ah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really cool. So uh, you can also make sunflower seed coffee. So it's okay. yeah, so it's used as a coffee substitute. So essentially, you brown the seed uh, and the hulls, and then you grind them. I've just realised how um, how people feel, and kind of slightly going off topic, but um, meat eaters versus non meat eaters, mm. and the meat eaters getting grumpy that the uh, meat free foods are being called sausages and meat and chicken and that sort of stuff when it's, yes. you know, plant-based and you were like, sunflower seeds can be used as coffee. I'm like, mm, you can't use coffee. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can do whatever you want. That's yeah, what I reckon. Well, it's a coffee substitute. Yep. Okay. Um, just like uh, it's a meat substitute. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> everyone jump down off of your pedestal and That's right. take it easy. <laughs> Uh, so essentially you can use, you know, you brown the seed hulls. Okay. Yep. So the husks and grind them and then use one teaspoon of the hulls per one cup of water and you steep it for, you know, a few minutes. So, and you can adjust it based on the taste. That's interesting. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really good for people who want to eliminate caffeine. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't want to have decaf. They will still want something that's similar to coffee. I mean, I haven't tried it. I have no idea what it tastes like. It mm. may be horrible. Let's be honest. It could be. But it could be something really nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, probably a bit nutty. <laughs> a little, little bit. <laughs> uh, um, uh so again, you can make sunflower seed, uh, flour. So anything you can make with flour, you can make with this. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was I saw this, uh, like a sunflower crunch. Mm. So essentially it's like, you know, sunflower seeds, sesame seeds, uh, they had honey, but you could use maple, I think as a mm-hmm. substitute for that. Uh, a little bit of olive oil and some salt and you basically, you know, mix it all together, chuck it in your oven and let it uh, yeah. cook and, yeah. and crystallize and come together. But you can use that as, you know, you can crunch it all up and chuck it into a salad, mm. um, which is really good. Uh, use it as a crunch on top of a soup. You can chuck it into your granola bowls and grain bowls. You can uh, chuck it as a texture inside of crepes. Yeah. Even good for like a trail mix type thing. As, even as yeah. a snack, super yeah. easy, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing as well is the sunflower seed cheese. So we, I touched on this cheese as well. Uh, a lot of cheese, when it comes to plant-based cheese recipes, and I know we, we spoke about this with, Sean last week in the cauliflower episode, but they they are doing nut free cheese. Yeah, uh, so it's very different to what this is. But uh, 
with most nut cheeses and you know seed cheeses you you have to soak the seeds for mm. you usually people say overnight and essentially all that's really doing is one i believe it activates a lot of these different nuts um yeah but it also allows you to blend them uh, to a finer consistency. Yep. So you don't want the graininess of what nuts and seeds are. Yeah, because they're really dense and oily too. So they start yes. they kind of gluggy and stick together. And yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you can make a really simple sunflower seed cheese by just taking a cup of sunflower seeds, a little bit of almond milk, uh, some lemon juice and garlic clove and a little bit of apple cider vinegar and blend it up and you've got yourself a cheese cool yeah now when you start talking about uh cashew cheese cashew based cheeses Mm. cashews are expensive yeah sunflower seeds are not expensive Mm. Uh, you can get your hands on those like pretty cheap yeah so making a plant-based cheese from sunflower seeds is really simple and very cost effective yeah it sounds cool yeah and you can add whatever you want to that so but again like i said if you're looking at it uh from a recipe perspective you can replace cashews with this so a lot of places do i mean there's a lot of recipes for like cashew based cakes like um raw cakes raw desserts that use Mm -hmm. cashews as the base Um, so you can make a cheesecake with uh, sunflower seeds yeah Again, we're talking high calorie content though, which is the biggest thing that people should really take from this is that sunflower seeds have a high calorie content. And we were talking about 30 grams gives you 163 calories. A cup of sunflower seeds to make a cheese will give you a lot of calories. Yeah, I'm just seeing if I've got the 100 gram equivalent calories. Yeah, but I I mean, 100 grams is not a cup though, is it? No, I know. But I mean, 100 grams of sunflower seeds is 584 calories. Yeah, that's a lot. So That's that's more than a meal. Yeah, so moderation, I think, is again, the key to what this is all about is use it in moderation. Personally, I think the best way to use sunflower seeds is to have them as that crunch Mm. and to add it to things with you know some sesame seeds and other types of things so it's you know you're getting your 30 grams of it a day but you're not uh, overindulging with other things yeah yeah really interesting yeah so essentially that is how you cook with sunflower seeds let's talk about how to grow your own yay because from what i read it's fairly fairly easy i like to hear that yeah i'm actually considering putting one in the front yard to follow um, yeah yeah because front yard's where they're going to get most sun um Mate, i'd just love to watch it follow this i could, reckon i could sit set up a time and just lapse. watch it no well, i'd bugger that i'll just sit there for the whole day <laughs> Well, if I put it in the front, we can see it from the lounge room. So That's um, so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mentioned earlier that there's two types. One's grown for seed uh, and the other one uh, is grown for oil. When I say two types, let's actually change that to three because then there's really sunflowers that people buy ornamental mm-hmm. 
that you can you can kind of buy a variety that really doesn't do much by the way of seed and oil it's people just want to have a sunflower in their yard that looks cool so yeah. you can you can kind of go that as well yeah okay um and i mentioned before about the the different the different hulls where the the stripe the striped black hull is the seeds that you eat and the solid black ones are for oil mm. um yeah so let's go down a bit further sunflowers grow best with full sun i mean kind of <laughs> kind of makes sense right thanks man kind of makes sense you want as much sun as you can give them and they yeah they're going to follow mm. the sun that head is going to follow the sun until it, it starts to get older and and it's getting ready for harvesting mm. but they are they are remarkably tough um and will pretty much grow in any kind of soil as long as it's not waterlogged. Yeah, wow. So yeah, really easy to grow. Once they get started, they can they can actually tolerate drought as well. Um, so really interesting there. And uh, to to put into perspective about how easy they are to grow, if you think about uh, birdseed, mm-hmm. birdseed generally has a portion of sunflower seed in it, um, still in the husk. And mm-hmm. uh, sunflowers will grow beneath bird, like w- you've got a bird feeder or something, you might find sunflowers growing up below that because the bird might have dropped it or whatever, and it's, it's just growing. That's how easy it is to grow, right? <laughs> so basically, just chuck a whole bunch of seed on the ground and you'll be right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, sunny site, good drainage. You just don't want it waterlogged, um, really easy. But you, you want to sow your seeds, easy to grow from seed. Mm-hmm. You want to sow your seed. Um, from spring to summer and you can actually we've talked about it a few times you can progressively sow so that you get extended harvest so that yep. so they don't all mature at the same time yeah and um, what you want to do is uh, put the seed into the soil about three centimeters deep and eight centimeters apart and then once they start to grow up you thin them out to about 30 centimeters apart mm-hmm. and that's 30 centimeters in all directions because they, they need a bit of space yeah. uh, obviously they get quite tall and um well it's 30 centimeters for the dwarf ones which i think grow below a meter yes and then um the tall ones or the normal ones that grow over a meter uh grow over a meter tall they actually need a meter between the plants so wow fair amount of space between them yeah and and that's because you know they want you want to give them all full sun and you don't want them to be too crowded but their roots their roots branch out a lot but they're really kind of thin wiry roots and they need a lot of which is why they're so drought tolerant because they these yeah. roots grow all through the soil. Yeah, wow. Yeah, interesting. But depending on the variety of sunflower that you you buy, maturity from seed is about eighty to one hundred and twenty days. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, in line with a lot of the other stuff we talk about. Yeah. Some two and a half three months, right? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Some seed producing varieties we talked about was the, the Russian mammoth one. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one called the Paul Bunyan hybrid, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the Aztec gold hybrid or the mm-hmm. super snack hybrid. So there's, you, you can go like, you want to go and find the, the seed variety. If you're going to try and harvest the seed, yeah. you want to get specific seed, seed variety sunflowers. Mm. Um, I talked about how they can withstand drought they they would prefer if you kind of regularly watered them particularly um during the growth period so kind of uh 20 days before and after flowering is when they you want to water them the most 
yeah and like a really deep kind of regular watering will help encourage that root root growth growth particularly with the tall ones because those sunflowers are really heavy mm. so they need a good sturdy base to hold them up there may there may be occasions where you you need to stake the plant so that it doesn't fall over or that sort of thing so you kind of just got to work out you know what's going to be best for the sunflower that you're growing yeah the ones like i said earlier the ones that are multi-branched or even over a meter tall the, the branches are actually really brittle mm. so especially kind of where the join is on the stem and the branch so they can be um they can be quite vulnerable to wind and rain and that sort of thing so you've yeah. um, got to be careful of those so those ones are a good good idea to stake up and you know just time to the stake and get, just give them a bit of support so the branches don't break mm. so i want to talk about um how to harvest the seeds a little bit because mm -hmm. i found this incredibly fascinating and if anyone is interested just type into youtube harvesting sunflower seeds and watch some of the really bad quality videos i see a gap in the market for someone to produce some high quality content in that space because <laughs> they're horrible to watch but really interesting mm -hmm. um so around early autumn depending on when you've planted the seed you kind of want to look for signs of maturity and what happens is is as as the plant um it comes to the end where you can harvest the flower the flower droops over and faces the ground and starts to fall over that's the first sign. The next sign would be that the petals, you know, flower could be drooped, but still have really broad um, flower petals out. So it's not ready yet. Those petals dry up and go brown. Mm -hmm. And then the backside of the, the backside of the flower that's normally green will start to dry and go brown as well. Oh, and wow. that's the sign that it's, it's ready to harvest. You sort of, so um, cool. it's good to go. So what you do is you um, cut it at the stem and depending what you know you might want to hang it up and finish finish the kind of drying out process where animals aren't going to get to it so you kind of you can cut it and hang it to dry um you know inside or mm -hmm. somewhere safe from the animals because you know birds and things will, will get into the seeds as well so you want to want to try and protect it from from animals that are going to destroy it for you so you, you cut it off cut off the stem and kind of hang in a, a dry place that's well ventilated and um uh, not 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 humid, so nice mm. and dry. Uh, and because you know, if there's too much humidity, you'll get mold and that sort of thing on mm. it as well. And um, it won't take long. But uh, what will happen is, is in I don't know if you've ever looked closely, but inside the the flower head, so mm. inside the petals where the seeds are, there's lots of little flowers. Yes. Um, what you what you do is you just you can actually just brush them off. And yep. they'll just they'll just fall out, and you'll be left with all of the seed. Mm -hmm. um, once you've done that, you kind of you can just scrape the seed out like with the back of a knife or something, and you just yep. scrape the seeds out into a container. Wow. And then once that's done, you some people like to eat them raw if they want to, mm -hmm. um, or then you then transfer into the process that you talked about before, where yeah. um, you know soaking them in the salt bath and and then roasting them and that sort of thing, which is the normal. I think 90% of people would do it that way rather yeah. than just eating them raw. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if, if you, if you haven't, if you haven't salt bath them, you can put them in a, um, like an airtight container and put them in the fridge uh, is the best thing to do until you cook them. Yep. Uh, yeah. So super, super fascinating to just see this massive flower head with all the little flowers inside mm. it. And then you kind of scrape the flowers out and you're left with all of the seeds 
It's so and cool, isn't it? it? It's just, it is just amazing. It's like, like hidden behind the curtain of flowers. I know. It's fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, if you've, if you've planted, you know, successive seeds and that you'll, you'll extend your harvest and you get a pretty decent crop out of a, a good size flower head. So yeah, absolutely. Really, really interesting. Uh, companion planting for the sunflower, uh, things like apricot, cucumber, pumpkin, squash, and corn, which is mm-hmm. interesting because you talked about the Native American Indians talking about corn and squash. Three sisters. Their, That's yeah. it. Yeah. What was the other one again? I can't remember. Beans. Beans. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, interesting that squash and corn are uh, companion plants. Yeah. Another interesting thing they grow so high. They call it a shelter plant. So it can actually be used to create say shade for let's say you planted something that um, likes partial shade, but you've, you've planted it somewhere that's in full sun. You mm. can use the sunflower to provide some shade for it. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, quite fascinating there. The other thing is that the sunflower, um, the seeds and the, the seeds, the leaves and the stems, so basically the whole plant, they emit a substance that inhibit the growth of other plants. So you should keep it away from potatoes and pole beans because it will inhibit their growth. Yeah. Wow. There you go. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the basic growing of uh, sunflower. That's really cool. Yeah. It's super fascinating. Like I said, get on YouTube and watch, watch a video on how to, how to extract the <laughs> seeds. It's really cool. Good viewing. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Oh, that was really cool. Thanks, man. No worries. Wow, what a fascinating episode about sunflowers. Yeah, it's just just incredible. Yeah. They're really much more than what you think. Yeah, I mean, I really never gave the sunflower any thought apart mm. from how cool is it that it follows the sun? Like, Yeah, I know. Yeah. Man, mm. I, I tell you what, though, after learning about all of that stuff, I'm going to start substituting sunflowers in for the cashews that yeah I i'm gonna have a go yep yeah because um you know i mean i like cashews and i really enjoy them but if i can get a if i can use something that's going to give me the same result that gives me a higher nutritional profile for the same calories then mm. i'm all for that yep yeah yep. which is Got really it. Cool. this is where you start to eat smarter yes yep. absolutely absolutely um well thanks man Another cracking episode. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, as always, there'll be plenty of information coming up on the Instagram channels for you to uh, read and get some information from. We'll always do a post now on messyveggies.com, which basically it writes everything you need to know about. And this one will be everything you need to know about sunflower seeds. It'll give you key takeaways from the episode. Also links to all our references and links to any recipes that we have got in there as well. So make sure you watch out for those. We've just started putting the link to those articles on the Facebook page. So if you're looking for uh, material associated with the podcast, please head to the Facebook page. You'll find the actual links to the articles on that page. So it'll make it a lot easier for you. Uh, to anyone following and listening on Instagram, keep talking to us. We do enjoy it. Tim likes it. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's good yeah. fun. 
It is. It's great. I like that people are starting to get excited about vegetables. And yeah, it's that. And I love, um, you know, we might do an episode and then post something. And there's been a couple of people now. They're like, oh, I love that plant. It's mm. like, yeah, well, I'm just loving it now too. Like, It's yeah, so good. It. Yeah, I know. It's almost, uh, you know, sometimes it gives people more reason to love the plants that they already loved. You yeah. Know? It's really mm. cool. Uh, well, thank you, mate. And I guess this is another episode down. We've got plenty more coming. And I know I mention this every week is that these little mini episodes are coming, but they are coming. We just have to work out our logistics so that we can record them uh, at good times and not take up too much extra time. So uh, watch out for them. They are still coming. We have got more guests coming. We are looking to bring on a guest at least once a month. So we had Sean last week to do cauliflower and we'll have some more guests. They are starting to rack up at the moment mm. and we've got a few in the pipeline. So watch out for those. And again, thank you for listening. And until next week, do yourself a favor and go eat some more plants. Thank you.